Picking up steam, having won for a second consecutive week. This time, though, it took a defensive masterclass on the road to pick up a surprise victory. Hello, listeners. You are listening to Miami Total Football Radio, the number one podcast on all things Inter-Miami. We provide you all the latest news, updates, inside information, analysis, opinions, and more. The show is also known as Miami Total Football Radio. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one part of the hosting team of the show. Of course, I had to say it in Spanish. We can't let one episode go without doing so. Joining me on this week's episode, which is coming on a very short turnaround, are the other two-thirds, the other two hosts, Steve El Primo Brenner and Jose Cinco Armando. Steve, how are you doing today on Sunday? Happy Easter, happy Passover. Thank you very much. Yeah, happy Passover and happy Easter to all our listeners. Um, yeah, all good. That was a that was a it was a good win. Um, unexpected, I think maybe, but they, they ground it out, which was which was good to see. And uh, let's let's see what happens this week. This week, this week should be interesting. I haven't been to FIU that stadium for, for for a while, not since their first Miami's first ever game. So uh, quite looking forward to that. We weren't expecting to have you on, but you have rearranged the schedule. It's an you have... Easter miracle. It's an Easter miracle. <laughs> you have done some Tetris. You've done some Tetris in your in your life schedule to allow yeah. for for some time with Miami Total Football Radio, which we appreciate you for. Jose, it's lucky you pay me. It's lucky you pay me so much, so well. <laughs> I pay you the big bucks, right? Yeah. Jose, how are you doing today? Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Happy Easter, guys. Um, well, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I've been waiting for a while for the Miami Classic, so um, that's coming up next. So I'm excited, and um, I'm I'm excited as well because you know both teams are coming off wins, so you know the atmosphere should be great on Tuesday. Um, I was there last night for the Miami FC game at FIU. Everything oh, look is at that. look at that. Ready to go. So, um, yeah, very excited about the Miami Classical. See, and this is why that dedication that you have, plus your close proximity to Miami FC, closer than Steve and I, <laughs> this is why Twitter uh, Twitter followers and listeners to the show tease you about being a Miami FC fan. And I thought it was hilarious. The I, I, I'm blanking on who it was. I'd have to go and look at my mentions. But the, the person that put the photo of the Scottish fan with the half- Glasgow Rangers half Celtic uh, jersey and saying that that would be oh, you wow. on Tuesday when Inter Miami takes on Miami FC. <laughs> so that that was pretty funny. That was pretty. Steve, if you haven't seen it, I'll, I will send it to you later in our WhatsApp group. But yes, of course, we are here to talk about that upcoming game on Tuesday, but not before we dive into Inter Miami's big win, surprise win against the Seattle Sounders on Saturday night. We're going to dive into that game. We're going to also preview Tuesday night's game, the Miami Clásico, and we will do so with a few guests. Not one, not two, but three guests. And they will include a Vice City member. They will include Amey Mabika, the Inter-Miami center back, and of course Miami FC head coach Anthony Pulis. So we have all these guests lined up for you today. And if you don't understand why the Vice City member is on, well, we're going to hear what the plans are for Tuesday as well as his role, Bernie's role, in making this game happen. He played an integral role in making this game happen. So stay tuned for all of those interviews. Guys, we have a lot to talk about in short order. It's also a holiday. I appreciate you both coming on to do this. So let's not waste too much time. Let's get to it. Okay, guys. So Inter Miami went 
on the road to Seattle, the other side of the country. They left on Thursday. They played the Sounders on Saturday night, a very late kickoff for those of us on the East Coast, 10 p.m., well, later than 10 p.m. because it was a, a Fox Sports 1 broadcast, and they always say that the game starts at a certain time, but their kickoff is like 20-plus minutes later, so closer to 10.30, finished around 12.15, 12.20, so very, very late in terms of a game, but Inter-Miami pulls it out. They won 1-0. They're victorious off of a Robbie Robinson goal in the first half. This was Inter-Miami's lineup, a 4-3-3. Nick Marsman in goal. Your back line from right to left were DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Amey Mabika, Christopher McVeigh. Your midfield three were Gregory as the six. And then the two eights were Gene Mott on the right and Robert Taylor on the left. Up top, the same front three as the game against the New England Revolution. From right to left, Ariel Lasseter, Leonardo Campana, and Robbie Robinson. So the team went untouched. Un equipo que gana, no se toca, as they say in Spanish. A team that wins goes untouched, and that was the case here. Phil Neville sticks with the same 11. Guys, before we talk about Inter Miami's performance, I'm going to ask you... How much stock do you put into this 1-0 victory, given that the Seattle Sounders made 10 changes to their starting lineup from their midweek match in the CONCACAF Champions League? How much stock do you put into some into a result like this? I will start with Jose because I have a feeling he's going to be a bit more... Uh, well, I'll just let you say what you're going to say. I, I was looking for a word. I don't know what the word is. But, Here we yeah. go. Here we go. Right. Uh, well, not a lot, honestly. You know, they were basically playing against um, Tacoma Defiance, the MLS Next Pro team. Um, no, this is Seattle Sounders too. So um, I do, I do put value into the fact that you know they were able to put out a good performance, um, but. Um, Looking ahead and moving forward, I, I don't think this win means a lot in terms of, you know, I mean, we have to be honest of, of who they were facing, right? You know, that that was not Seattle, the Seattle Sounders' first team, and so um, I, I can I can put value into the fact as well that they were well organized defensively, but they were not overly impressive. They did not dominate the game. Um, as as I guess people would have wanted to, especially when they're facing um, so many players that are not usually starters for Seattle. So not a lot, honestly. I mean, it's it's a good win, and and, and a much needed win if if we look back into the last uh, the first five six games of the season. So I mean, not a lot, honestly, not a lot. Controversial was the word I was maybe looking for. Controversial because obviously some people are not going to agree with that, including I imagine. El primo, Steve. No, what that... do you think about the win? How much stock do you put into into the victory against the team? Like we have to take that into account. They changed ten players from their midweek midweek matchup. They didn't have Raúl Ruiz, the Peruvian goal scoring striker. They didn't have Nicolás Oedo starting either, the Uruguayan playmaker. They didn't have Jordan Morris, the U.S. Men's National Team uh, regular and and key attacker for them. The Roldan brothers didn't start either. They did come off the bench, so. Those are two also fellow internationals, one for U.S., one for the El Sa- one for the United States, excuse me, and one for El Salvador. So they were missing a lot of quality in their starting lineup, a lot. And this was effectively their second team. Yeah, but how yeah, much stock yeah. do you put into the victory? 
Well, agree. no, absolutely agree. Yeah, they had they had a load of players missing, but you know this is also into an Inter Miami team that's not been used to winning, you know, a lot. Period over the last sort of twelve months. So any any win is a is a is a good win. You know, Robbie Robinson would have got confidence off you know scoring the goal. Um, Mabika was really good. Damian Lowe was 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 great. You know, they, they you, you, it's a win. Yeah, so you've got to take the positive from it. Yeah, okay, it doesn't mean they're going to win suddenly win an MLS Cup or do whatever, but. <laughs> I mean, it's a win, isn't it? I mean, you know, and they had to travel there, the whole thing, you know, team cohesion. You know, I'm, I'm talking from my football manager uh, career here, which is, uh, <laughs> no. so it, it does morph into real life. And I'm sure Phil Neville's just been concentrating on doing that team bonding, but it helps moving forward. So, look, they can only take a positive out of it. I'm not going to start putting asterisks against wins just because of, you know, teams are making loads of changes. I mean, you know, they've, they've, won, they've won a match, which they haven't been doing a lot of. Or enough of in the past sort of three years so it's all good so i'm in between both of your stances but i lean a little bit more towards el primo side on this one oh, really? because so you're, you're so negative as well oh, you see that's here it. we go sort of here we go here Jose we go is just sort of jumped <laughs> sort of negative good cop bad cop good cop bad cop as we playfully oh. say uh when, when we're talking but no look oh yeah look for me when you make that many changes in MLS, it's not like MLS rosters are so deep because of the the salary constraints and the budget constraints and all that. So when you make that many changes to a team, I mean, you're, you're, you're clearly lowering the level of your team. Clearly. This isn't like, you know, maybe some of the top teams in, in Europe that if you make that many changes, there's not that significant of a drop-off. There was a clear significant, significant drop-off from the Seattle Sounders. But that said, Inter-Miami can only play the opponent it has in front of it. And Inter-Miami in that regard... Did the job it had to do. Picks up its second win of the season. It did so with a more defensive performance than an attacking performance. But, you know, to Jose's... I'm not going to say to Jose's point, but to to counter Jose's point, I mean, if Inter-Miami prepared for one type of game and then before the, you know, before, you know, kickoff an hour before when the lineups come out, if they see significant changes, they can't just all of a sudden just abruptly change their entire game plan that they've worked on in practice all week they still have to stick to to what they think i'm sure they make minor adjustments here and there as they do probably any game when there's when there's when the lineups are announced and maybe there's some changes you see but you know i I didn't think that they were going to be much more attack-minded just because this was seattle's second team I i think the game plan was still going to be the game plan seattle was still at home with its fan base behind it on turf field it was cold it ended up becoming rainy so it wasn't a great demonstration of a football, absolutely, but I thought Inter Miami did the job it had to do. It grinded oh, out a victory. Yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty, but they got it done. And at the end at the end of the season, you know, regardless of how the season finishes, when you see that win against Seattle, you'll just see three points. You won't see, oh well, yeah, they played the second team and this and that. Like that that won't really come into the the bigger picture. Of, of how Inter-Miami season went. It'll just be they got three points on the road. It is a Western Conference opponent. So it's not like this is an Eastern Conference opponent. So it doesn't really matter as much in the standings in that way because you're not taking points off of a direct rival for a playoff spot. But it's a good result. It's a good result. I going into the game, just me, just me personally, and, and then see if you, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you add, add uh, your comments there. I personally went before the lineups came out. I said a result for Inter-Miami in this one is is great. If a, a win would be fantastic, fantastic, because of the opponent. Even a loss, as long as it, was, it wasn't a blowout loss, I thought would have been acceptable against Seattle's best team. 
Right. Once the lineups came oh, out, you saw the lineup. Everything right. changed. Then, right? And I said, okay, and, I t- and I tweeted point. it out. I tweeted out, if there's any time to beat the Seattle Sounders, it's tonight. And Inter Miami did that. So it, you know, you we can we can debate and we will in the about the manner in which they did so. But they got the job done at the end of the so day. So that's why you don't put a lot of stock into it. Because, you know, there's there's was, an element right there that was not present that when you saw the lineup completely changed the whole thing. So Again, yeah. I'm not uh-huh. I'm not hundred percent disagreeing with you. I'm not hundred percent I just I just think there's you put a little bit of stock into it. I don't think you you don't put any stock into it. It's good for confidence, uh, it's good for, for some of the partnerships that are forming, including that center back partnership between Damian Lowe and, and Ame Mabika, which we again we will talk about in, in a little bit. But I know Steve wanted to chime in before, so Steve. No. Winning a game is is all they can do, and that's it. It's just time to move on. <laughs> Jose, I'll give you I'll give you the rebuttal before we uh before we change topics. This just reminds me of last year when when um, Inter Miami won won against Cincinnati and, and Toronto FC two three games in a row, and we all knew that those were not good teams. And you know things change when when you face different opposition. So. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but um, that's the reality. You know, you were facing you were facing sixteen year olds last night. Not they weren't all sixteen year olds. There was there were some veterans out there. There was at least one sixteen year old. But they're, they're okay. But I get your point. I get your point. Again, they're not. I, they haven't just played a team that just walked in from the pub. I mean, you know, it's like a you know. I, no, see, there, there I, I give mean, no, not. but there I give Jose. I agree with Jose in that regard because. It's, again, it's MLS, and the old rule back in the days when I first started covering the league, just generally speaking, if you lost your 3DPs, the level of your team would would drop significantly if you didn't have them available for whatever reason or you took them out of the lineup for, for you know, a short turnaround. When you take out 10 players, when you make 10 changes to a lineup, I mean, that's going to impact things. Those 10 players yeah, haven't, cool. haven't regularly played together in games that matter, so... It, it does impact things. Now, the Sounders did have more of the ball even with those 10 players, and they threatened, although they did not create much. They did threaten. They did get into the final third. They had, as we say in Spanish, aproximaciones, but they didn't create a whole lot, right? They, they they got near and around the box, but they didn't create a whole lot. Nick Marsman wasn't overly tested. I believe he finished with four saves, but none were really of the wow variety. I think the, the biggest chance the Inter-Miami gave up, arguably, was Damian Lowe's backwards header, uh, late on in the second half. So, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way: If Inter Miami drops ten players from the starting lineup that they put out last night against Miami FC on Tuesday, do you think Miami FC do they have a better chance at winning? Absolutely. I, I'm not, okay, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just there saying is. There, there is some stock to put into it. Again, I agree with you that you have. There is some context. Context matters, but. There is, there is, you can put some stock into this for Inter Miami as a whole, and I will, and I will reiterate, and we will change topics to this, because this was a very good defensive showing, a very good defensive showing, led by, well, it was a whole team, it was a collective effort, but the center back partnership of Damian Lowe and Amey Mabika, they, I thought they were sensational, and and you know, Inter Miami in the second half, for much of it practically parked the bus. I think we saw Phil Neville Simeone out there because Inter Miami went into a shell and made sure to clog up the spaces. And again, they did not give up a whole lot to the Sounders. They did not give up a whole lot. They dominated the spaces as as coaches and 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 uh as coaches like to say. So, yes, they didn't have the ball, 
but they clogged up the space as well. They forced the Seattle Sounders wide, which was Inter Miami's game plan. Seattle was forced to whip in cross after cross after cross, and they, they couldn't find anything uh, as a result of that. Some very determined defending, some very disciplined defending, some very organized defending, and some very committed defending, especially from Damian Lowe and, and Amey Mabika. Damian Lowe even, even took a knock to the head trying to, to make a play on one sequence late on. So I think that is where you can put some stock into it. More so than on the attacking side, which didn't see a lot of great things. Some some positives down the right. But anyway, I think that's where the stock lies, or that's where the value lies in this game. Because that center-back tandem, that center-back partnership, is continuing to grow. This was only their second start together. Steve, what did you think of the center-back showing in this game? And def- yeah. defensively overall as well. Encouraging, yeah. You know, they look like they're building a nice partnership together. And they're both big guys, aren't they? They're physical yeah. You know, we spoke to him Beaker the other day at the training ground, and he, he is tall and he's going to fill out. But he's just, you know, I think it was was we, we spoke to Darren Powell afterwards. He said it's very difficult for people to get by him because he's of the size of the guy, and, and um, but he can play as well. And you know, he's come back from international duty. You know, Damien Lowe's an international as well. So yeah, that's that, that's you know that's that's promising, and that's what they wanted, isn't it? You know, sort of. No Gonzalez, Perez, and, and Figal. They needed a replacement, and that was kind of yeah, that's that's working well. So. Uh, one that certain positive to come out of that for sure, yeah. Defensively, I thought they were great. With the ball, there's there's still work to be done there from both, especially from Damian Lowe in this one. I thought he was, he was especially in the first half, he was pretty poor with the ball and his decision-making. Inter Miami was a bit fortunate that they weren't punished on one of those. The turf's not great, though, as well, is it? Yeah, the but, the, but some, of the pass, like, some of the passes he made were errant passes under very little to no pressure. And, that you know, a better team with more quality, probably a starting caliber MLS lineup probably makes you pay for that so you know that has to be cleaned up that has to be cleaned up you know otherwise we're going to see a lot of the same things we saw last year when teams start to press into Miami high because they know that they struggle in the build-out so that has to be cleaned up a bit Jose what did you think about the the center back showing and the defensive performance overall Um, I, I wouldn't point out to any player in particular because I think you know collectively they were good defensively they were they were very well organized so um, you know, I would just I would just point out to the to the whole team effort and, and and you know not only the center backs but as well you know I think in the middle they were good. Um, Campana started you know doing some good things as well defensively. He he put some pressure on it, run some balls down. Um, you know it it was not easy to to Seattle to create opportunities out of the buildup and for most of the game they were just. Um, you know, they, they had no other choice than to put crosses in. And, you know, that's exactly what Inter-Miami needed, especially with Lowe and Mavica there. You know, every single cross, you know, they, they I think they probably won over 80 percent of, of those crosses. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, Seattle, they, they they did not have a lot of ideas. You know, they, they, they ran into a whole bunch of crosses throughout the match. And and that played, you know, to, to Inter-Miami's favor. So, you know, collectively, it was a good effort. But I think also Seattle, they were not very creative. Right, they they didn't have that difference making type of playmaker on the field that could help unlock unlock a defense. But going back to the center backs, they're both tall, tall players. So their aerial ability in a game like this is exactly what you need, and they did the job exceptionally. So I agree that the team in general, and that was one of my one of my questions. I don't remember if it was for Phil Neville or Robbie Robinson post game, but collectively the team did the job. So everyone deserves their due credit there. But I thought. Both of the center backs 
did their jobs even better because they are the ones that mostly have to deal with those crosses. Mostly, they're the ones that have to head those out because they come in, they're coming in their direction, and they both did that job very, very well, very, very well. I think this could, I think this will be the starting center back partnership for the next few games for Inter Miami, unless unless we start to see some different some different mistakes or different things. But as of right now, these last two games, I thought they've they've started to form as as El Primo said. A very encouraging partnership. It's it's encouraging. It's early, so think, but it's encouraging. I think Mavica will start over McVeigh when Gibbs is out or breaks. So that's a back. question we have in the Q and A session, and I think we should leave it, save it for there so we don't repeat because that is a that is a good question. That is a good question. What happens when Darren no. Gibbs or Breckshay comes back? Does Phil Neville stick with McVeigh, who has performed fairly decently at left back, or does he go with someone like Darren Gibbs or Breckshay? We'll leave that for the Q and A. We'll leave that for the Q and A. But switching gears, let's go to the other side of the field. Robbie Robinson with the game-winning goal in the first half. Off of a cross from DeAndre Yedlin, the returning Seattle native. Leonardo Campana with some great, great, exquisite hold-up play in the lead-up to that goal. He gets a secondary assist per MLS rules. I know that Jose really, really does not like that. I know Steven Primo Brenner really, really does not like that. I also do not like that secondary assists are counted in, in MLS, but they are. So anyway, what did you guys think of the goal? And what did you think of Robbie Robinson's performance? He has a goal and an assist in the last two matches. Jose, I'll go back to you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like Robbie Robinson's performance. I think that his performance against New England was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. I, I like his performance. Last night, not so much. I, I don't think. But it's not on him, honestly. It's not on him last night. Because, you know, the team, they didn't have the ball a lot. They didn't create a lot of opportunities. Um, so I think it was, you know, other than the goal, it was basically non-existent in the game. I, I don't remember anything in particular that caught my attention. I mean, he wasn't bad. He wasn't good either. It's just, you know, he was able to score that goal. It seems like the ball bounces in his right leg other than he takes the shot. A slight deflection as well. I'll give more credit to DeAndre Yetlin for the cross. I think that was a great cross. The, the so, cross was quality. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good cross. But Robinson, um, I don't know. It's just okay. Just okay. He's starting to make an impact, though, in the final third. And that's with Gonzalo Higuain out, so... People might raise their eyebrows at that. He's starting to make an impact, regardless of if if he's, you know, sh- showing well from the run of play. He scored a goal and he got an assist last week, so that's that's a step up from what we had seen earlier in in oh maybe not earlier in the year. That's a step up from what we saw at the end of last year from him when when he was getting a lot of minutes. Primo, what were your thoughts on his goal and overall showing? Well, yeah, for Robbie Robinson, I just think it's all about confidence for him. You know, Phil Neville clearly rates him. The quotes afterwards from Robbie Robinson is interesting. He he expects a lot from me, which I really like. He sees a lot of potential in me. I want to repay the trust. So, yeah, look, it wasn't a, a, you know, he didn't rip Seattle apart, did he? But I think it's just with him, I think it's just confidence. I think they know there's a player in there. Um, he's just got to get used, I guess, to playing at, at this at this level. Maybe he has to toughen up a bit. Um, so that was uh, that was that was positive for them for sure. I thought he was not as dangerous as Ariel Lassiter in terms of penetrating the final third, although he scored. But he was a little bit more involved in in the buildup. And if you look at the goal, 
Go back and look at the highlights of the goal. Go on Miami Total Football's YouTube page or anywhere you can find the goal. He plays the pass to Leonardo Campana that then continues on and ends up in the goal with Robbie Robinson's right foot. He plays a good pass to Leonardo Campana. Campana with some excellent, excellent hold-up play. He draws three defenders. Three defenders are looking at Leonardo Campana. That opens the space for DeAndre Yedlin on the right wing. Campana astutely finds him, picks out the right pass, hits a well-weighted ball as well, and then Yedlin hits a, hits a, a great cross in that that Robinson conti- Robinson followed the play. He continued the play, went into the box, and finishes it with a right-footed finish. Not the cleanest contact, a bit mordida, as we say in Spanish, which essentially, I mean, it would mean bitten if you did a direct translation, but it just means just not, not clean contact, not clean contact. But it goes in the back of the net, and that's enough for Inter-Miami to pull out the victory. Robbie Robinson's quote yesterday with regards to the, the the trident, the attacking trio that's being formed and the chemistry there, I thought was a bit interesting. I thought that was a bit interesting because, listen, we, we, we've seen Gonzalo Higuain get very frustrated with teammates, Robbie Robinson included. Robbie Robinson hasn't said anything about Gonzalo Higuain, but I'm, I, I ask from the outside, I ask myself, does playing with Gonzalo Higuain diminish the, the impact Robbie Robinson can have? Maybe, maybe. Two games without him, he has a goal and he has an assist. So, maybe. Uh, with regards to DeAndre Yedlin, he's back, he was back in Seattle. Very happy to be back in Seattle. Gets the game-winning assist. Thought defensively he was fairly solid. Not maybe the best going forward in this one overall. Saw a couple of times where he just smashed the ball forward. But Inter Miami did, did quite a bit of that early on. What did you think of his performance at right back? Back in Seattle, his hometown, which he got to spend a few days in for the first time in a while, Steve. Yeah, he's a good. He's. A, I think he's been playing really well. He's a. He's a good player. He's got good experience. Um, I think he's been a decent, a, a decent signing. Really has. Don't you think? I. I mean, I think he's. He's been growing into it a little bit. I think. I think there's still another level we could see from him. Not necessarily in terms of building out of the back or passing, because it's, it's never really been you know his his strong suit but i think that there's still another level we could see from deandre yedlin uh in terms of maybe attacking getting forward like we did on the cross uh, on the assist i think plays like that where he's a little bit more threatening a little bit more dangerous in the final third i think i think we could see a little bit more of that from him jose what were your thoughts on the hometown kid returning with Inter Miami, yeah? and he walked around with. I asked him because because he walked around with the rest of the team in downtown Seattle. They took a stroll, and this was a bit different for Inter Miami. Normally, they travel to the city that they're playing in, the away city, the day before the game, and they have dinner, they go to sleep, and they play the next day. Here, because they arrived on Thursday, they had Friday to themselves, and then Saturday all day up until late night to themselves, and they went up for a stroll. So I'm sure for him, it was good to be back home to see the familiar sights and settings. He said he saw some family as well, and they were able to see him play in a game in person for the first time in a while. So I'm sure there was motivation there and incentive and just like that feel-good uh, vibe and energy overall. And obviously, you know, then he, he makes an impact on the field as well. All those little details add up to me. I don't know if you agree with that, but I think all those little details add up for a player. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's those are the emotions of the game, right? Uh, I think it was a little bit more energetic as well. Um, uh, I think he had a good game. I think he had a good game. He gets the assist. You know, that's a real assist, not an MLS assist. 
so yeah, I think I think it was it was a good effort. I, I think it's a big part of of this defense, you know, because of his experience, uh, the respect that he demands from from the opponent as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's it, it's good, and I think you know it's only going to get better from here on because you know it, it's going to take some time. I, I think it's it, we're getting closer to that time in which you know his his uh, his his new his new teammates are no longer a problem. He feels part of Inter Miami. He knows uh, the tendencies of everybody on the field, and so you know it's going to get better. Quickly, I wanted to touch on Ariel Lasseter because Jose, you've obviously been very high on him. I did not think he had a great, great game. I thought the right side, Inter Miami had more success attacking down the right side, which goes back to the point I said before. They were better, uh, or Ariel Lasseter was more threatening, but he just didn't have the sharpness, and his decision-making let left something to be desired more than once. More than once, because the spaces were there down, down Inter Miami's right flank to attack Seattle, and they did numerous times. And Ariel Lasseter found himself in promising positions, but then he, he just either made the wrong choice or took too long. Wasn't the best performance from him. I think he's going to have to step it up. Otherwise, someone like an Emerson Rodriguez could be could eventually threaten to to take that spot in the starting lineup. Ariel Lasseter, his his final third play, his quality well, is is still needs to, to, to improve. But he needs to that's set somebody up. But then he needs to set somebody that's up. That's why he's playing in Inter Miami right now. Because he has the talent. And then he has to set somebody up. He, he, well, that's that's the next part for him in his career. He needs to be a finisher, and he needs to get better get better at setting his teammates up. That's the next step for him. So that's why he's playing in Inter-Miami right now. And he had trouble playing in Houston last year. That's the next step for him. But, you know, that's just a reality for him. He's a good player. He has a lot of, a lot of talent. But, you know, he needs to stick, take a, a couple of steps forward. And um, and that's part of it. And ho- hopefully he's able to do it with Inter Miami because if he's able to do that, then you know you, you're going to have a, a very good player. Um, and 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 listen, that this this was a problem when you know early in the season when when he when he was playing as a number nine. And I think we talked about this on the pod. You know he's he's going to miss chances because he's not a good finisher right now. He's but not. I'm not talking about just he about chances. You you're, like, you're oh. focusing solely on the goals, and I'm saying. He needs to at least help set up goals because there were numerous chances that he had on Saturday against the Sounders, and he wasted them. He wasted them. His quality just it let him down. And I, at halftime, I, I I told myself I was like, maybe Phil Neville contemplates taking him out because they were getting in dangerous positions, but he just wasn't making the most of it, and he was wasting the opportunities. It's good to get into those into those dangerous spots, but if you're wasting them, then that, that really doesn't help the team at all. So, you know, I, I, w- I thought maybe we, it would not be a surprise to see to see him pulled at, at halftime, although defensively he does he does do plenty of, of dirty work and, and a lot of running. So I think he needs to clean it up a little bit, just a little bit. I'm not asking to, to him to, to score a goal and get an assist every single game, but I think he just needs to be sharper, uh, a little bit sharper, especially when he gets in such promising, promising positions. But anyway... Primo, I don't know if you have anything you want to add there. No. Okay. Last thing we'll touch on very, very quickly is, and hopefully we don't go long here, but Campana once again gets a secondary assist. I I went to go see the stats for that reason to see if Campana was credited with the secondary assist on the goal. He was, so he gets an assist for his MLS stats. Oh. I agree. I agree the secondary assist shouldn't be a thing. It's, it's a hockey thing, not a soccer thing, but MLS just wants to up those those attacking numbers, so soccer is more attractive from a statistical standpoint. But anyway, 
Primo and Jose, very quickly, because we touched on this last week. I think our opinions are exactly the same, but does Leonardo Campana continue to start on this team? And what does that mean for Gonzalo Higuain going forward? Very quickly, Primo. Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah, I think I think he has to keep the same the same formation. He probably will. Um, he's been playing well the last two games, hat trick, and then yeah, played well pretty well last night. Um, yeah, and Iguain's got a knee injury as well, so maybe he's not available. But, but when he, he is, is, but when he is, oh, when he is, yeah, when he is. I mean, I don't know. I I I, I can't imagine that he would change the, a winning team just to accommodate him, considering yeah, just how they've been playing the last two days and what we know about. Iguain probably feeling a bit bit upset, a bit down in the dumps about stuff. So, um, yeah, no, I expect him to would keep would keep the same team with Iguain on the on the bench, ready to come on if he's fit. Jose, no, when Iguain is healthy, Iguain will be the starter for this team. No way. Because they, right <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. There's what? no way Inter Miami can survive the regular season with Campana as their only number nine. And if Iguain is not starting, he's not going to be okay with being a role player. Getting into the game for 15 minutes, that's no way to go. Just Well, he's going to do something. You know, soccer players, they find their ways around. So I don't see it. I don't see it. So I think, I, I still believe there's, there's not, there's not a chance for Iwain to be on this team and not be a starter. I don't get your I don't get your argument from a soccer standpoint. In, in terms of futbolisticos, I don't get the argument because the team functions better without him. It plays better without him. So yes, he is. This is it, not it, a we, soccer related matter. No, 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 no. Hold this on. This is hold more about Iwain's personality. He's not going to allow. No, no, no. It's not just that. It's not just that. There's also the soccer matters because he doesn't play as an out and out number nine anymore. He just doesn't. He comes, drops down, looks for the ball. He's his the way he's feeling and playing the game is differently. It's differently than what it used to what he used to be when he was at earlier stage in his career and at different teams. So. If he plays as a nine, there's no question that he's better than Campana. The problem is that he doesn't like to play as a nine. But if he plays as a nine, he's a lot better than Jose, Campana right Jose, now. Jose, Jose, Jose. We talked about this on, on the WhatsApp group, or maybe we just did it uh, privately, just you and I versus via message. I don't know if Steve was, was part of the conversation. But you think Gonzalo Higuain is a better player than Leonardo Campana Today, right now, one thousand percent. See, I disagree with you. I disagree with you. I still disagree with you. He is a more gifted player than Leonardo Campana, but that does not make him a better player because if he's physically incapable of pressing and running and giving you the same type of effort and energy that Leonardo Campana does, well, then that drops his overall ability to be a better player. And that's well, and that's like look at the goal. Leonardo Campana's goal to play is, is 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 exceptional, exceptional. He draws three defenders. I don't remember the last time Gonzalo Higuain has done that with his hold up play. Yes, Gonzalo Gonzalo Higuain's probably a better finisher. Yes, he's probably more ruthless in the box. He's probably a better creator than Leonardo Campana. And those are all very important attributes in soccer. Very important. But if he can't give you a lot of the other things that you need and that we haven't seen from the run of play in terms of the overall team function, then I don't know how you can say he's a better player. More gifted? Yes. Better today? No. Maybe five years ago he was better. If you compare that Gonzalo Higuain to Leonardo Campana of today, sure, that Gonzalo Higuain's better. But to this day and age, Gonzalo? I, I, I don't know. I don't see it. 
not yet. Maybe if he if he has a change of of attitude and um, and he sticks stays in the box and and he can find a way to give a little bit more physically, maybe. But right now, I think Leonardo Campana is the the better player, not the more gifted player, nor the more technical player, but the better player this day and age. All right, fair enough. <laughs> All right, I gave you a chance. I gave you a chance for the rebuttal before we end the first segment. But um, if you have nothing else to add, we will leave it there because we have a lot, a lot of conversations to get to with regards to previewing Tuesday night's Miami Classico between Inter-Miami and Miami FC. We will dive into that. We'll do that after this. I think what we had, we had 15, 16 players doing their job. We had 15, 16 players all sticking to the game plan. We had 15, 16 players that when they gave the ball away, they fought like mad to get it back. And we had 15, 16 players that that showed that they wanted to fight for Inter Miami. All right, guys, it is time to preview Tuesday night's big matchup, the Miami Classico, as it has been dubbed, between Inter Miami and Miami FC at FIU Stadium. Before we get to the protagonist, one from each team that will help us preview this match. We are going to talk to one of the people that is partially, if not really, responsible for this game happening. He is a Vice City member. His name is Bernie Toledo, or Bernie Toledo, if you want to do it with an American pronunciation. <laughs> Bernie, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, I, I've been better. I've been better, but uh, just still <laughs> still uh, coming off the celebration of last night's yeah. win against Seattle. Um, and yeah, super happy that I... I had something to do with this matchup happening at Miami. Um, uh, like you said earlier, I was at the draw, and I, it was up to me choosing envelopes. And when I realized it was up to me choosing envelopes, I got really, really nervous. You can see me shaking the the envelopes as I was placing them <laughs> down. But uh, I'm just I'm just still so delighted. It feels like a dream that we're actually getting to play in Miami um, at Miami FC. So um, really excited, man, and and can't wait for Tuesday. Now, before we dive further into that. I have to ask you because I know Vice City and gets down. How was the party last night? Post game? I mean, this was a late night game, so twelve thirty ish or twelve fifteen ish it ended. So you know, prime prime Miami going out time. But I'm sure you guys had been partying way before then. So how were the festivities last night during and of course after? Well, um, well, let's start off with before. Actually, <laughs> it was it was a crazy day. Um, I actually had an exam earlier that day, which I passed. Nice, so congratulations. That gave us- Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, we we um, started to celebrate early. We actually went to the Miami FC match, a few of us, okay, wow. to go and uh, do a little bit of recon. Nice. Because uh, they are they are letting us bring in our flags. We're working on bringing some drums in there. So we kind of wanted to look at the setup uh, beforehand. And then after that, we went over to downtown to a bar called the All Dubliner, this little hole-in-the-wall Irish pub. Nice. Um, it, was, it was really fun, man. It was just a few members. Usually, we like to bring the kids um, and we like to bring somewhere that's kid friendly, but since it was a 10 p.m. match, right. we left the kids at home. We kind of just um, did our thing, man. It was really fun, and then we went out afterwards. Um, it was it was definitely a night to celebrate. So yeah, man, really, really a lot of fun with our with our members. Um, we we had a few drinks, we celebrated, and you know had a good time like we always do. All right, let's go into open cup conversation here because you were the person, like you mentioned, that picked the envelope. That in the draw that set the matchup between Inter Miami versus Miami FC because it could have been Tampa Bay. It could have been Tampa Bay. Now, yeah, maybe not everyone that listens to Miami Total Football Radio 
watched the draw or even knew about the draw, but the draw was live streamed a couple weeks ago, and it, and Bernie was the inner Miami fan in attendance. There was also a Miami FC fan in attendance, but Bernie was the representative who helped pick out the envelopes. And it it was funny because I was in you know I watched it for a bit in the comments section was like oh that that guy that fan is peeking through the envelopes to see which one it is and whatnot. But I thought that was just just some good banter there. But uh, so how did this come about? First of all, how did this come about? How did the U.S. Soccer Federation reach out, or how did the Open Cup reach out in terms of getting you on there to help with the draw? Um, so USSF, the U.S. Soccer Federation, yeah. they um, they reached out to the team. I think Chris Allen and the PR team, okay. um, which in turn they reached out to all three supporters group. There's kind of like a chat that they have between all three groups, and um, it was very very sh- uh, short notice. It was like on the Thursday, and the draw was on like a Friday. Um, and as soon as the opportunity popped up, I knew I had to jump on it. Um, they, they were looking for somebody like me who's excited about the Open Cup. Um, I know you haven't mentioned it yet, but I was a former Miami FC fan during that U.S. Open Cup run. My whole life, I'd been watching the game on TV. I went to a few Fusion games when I was like five or six years old. Um, but Miami FC really taught me that this was the place for me. Like La Cancha, being there in La, in La, in La Barra, supporting supporting a soccer team, that was my main hobby. And I, I learned that when I was at college at FIU. So that Open Cup run was really magical. So when Inter Miami started up in 2020, I really wanted to see us in the Open Cup. Unfortunately, the pandemic, yeah. you know, two years, um, we couldn't participate. So when they reached out, I, everybody kind of knew. Everybody was actually a little bit... Um, you know, hesitating with me, you know, because I, I was a Miami FC fan or whatnot, and they were going to bring their fan. But, you know, I, I told them I was going to represent us well, and I feel like I did. Um, so they reached out. I took the day off um, and, and showed up to a studio in, like, Dania. Okay. It was like Concaca, It was like a CONCACAF studio or something like that, and it was really cool. We did a few rehearsals with DJ Citizen Jane. She was the, uh, quote-unquote, Miami FC fan, uh, a.k.a. paid ambassador, but whatever. <laughs> But whatever, I told them, I, I even told them when I showed up, I was like, guys, you have like five fans you could have chosen. <laughs> <laughs> well, six, if they include you, brother, six. <laughs> yeah, if, if they include me, right? But no, I told them I was busy that day representing Inter. But it was cool, man. It was really cool. Um, We went over there. We kind of did the rehearsal. And then I figured out like, okay, it's up to me because I'm going to choose these envelopes or whatnot. Actually, the, the commissioner let me know as soon as we were done with the draw that there was going to be all these conspiracy theories coming out because I did pick a lot of uh, the lower league teams to host. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it was complete coincidence. It was honestly just me picking envelopes. It did look like uh, uh, on the stream, I was looking at it, it did look like I was like peeking through them. <laughs> but in, in reality, I was just playing like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I'm, I'm a very indecisive person. I was like, uh, you know, I, I can't just pick a random envelope. I got to like, you know, make this a sort of a game. Um, and especially when it came down to the Miami one, I was like, no, like this is serious. I need to pick Miami to host. Uh, Miami FC to host because we wanted to play there. Uh, I would have been happy with Inter hosting Miami FC as well. But like you said earlier, there was a possibility that we had to go to Tampa or Tampa came over here, which would have been a cool matchup against the Rowdies. You know, they were our second game ever, I believe, right? In the preseason, yes, that first in year, twenty twenty, yeah, because they played Philadelphia Union first, and then they played uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Yeah, Boston. and we went, we, we we went up there to Ao Lang, and that's a cool stadium. And the Rowdies fan, Ralph's mob, um, they're a cool fan base as well. But we all know what we wanted. We all wanted to see that matchup, and and I'm really happy that I was able to pick it. So, um, dream come true, really. <laughs> Absolutely. So Tuesday, a lot of people are looking forward to it. What can we expect? 
from Inter Miami's supporters groups in general, but obviously since you're a representative of, of Vice City, more specifically Vice City, you mentioned drums and, and some flags, which will help create uh, a good atmosphere and a good environment, but what kind of vibe should we expect? I, I don't know what the rules are, what, what they're letting you guys do or not do, but it sounds like uh, they're going to let you do more than, than maybe some other teams would let you do. Yeah, we're honestly really grateful, man. They they don't need to let us bring in our flags. A lot of teams don't let us bring in maybe like a few flags when we, whenever we travel. Um, funny enough, this isn't really traveling. We all live like five minutes from there. Um, it is kind of like home for us, you know, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's still really cool that they're letting us bring in flags. Uh, we're working on maybe a few snare drums. Um, but either way, whether we get to bring the drums or not, our voices are going to be loud. Um, you guys know, based on our, our home games at Fort Lauderdale, how we get, we get really rowdy. Um, we're here to support the team through thick, through thin. Um, we're obviously hoping for a good result. We're hoping for a win. Um, we know that both teams actually played most of their starters in, on Saturday. So I'm really curious to see how those lineups shape up. Um, you know, if, if we see the young players, that's great. We want to see the young players compete. Uh, against Miami FC, if it's Gonzalo, I would love to see Gonzalo kind of redeem himself a little bit against Miami FC. I think that would be smart because, I don't know, we don't really have a backup number nine right now other than Robbie, and Robbie played. So um, we're just we're just looking forward to a good game, man. Uh, we're looking forward to singing all 90 minutes, to supporting the team like we always do. Um, like we say, te llamamos en la piel, no? Yeah. Um, and and we, we sing a lot of beautiful songs to the team about how we'll even support them even when we die, you know? <laughs> um, so um, a lot of us are really, really excited too because it's our first time playing in Miami. You know, a lot of times we have to drive to Fort Lauderdale, have to drive back. That kind of limits us and how rowdy we can get, how much energy we can exert. Um, so we're only five minutes from home. No more excuses. Everybody can exert as much energy as they need to um, and leave it all on the field. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a party Yeah. beforehand and during and, and obviously depending on the result, probably afterwards as well on a tuesday on a tuesday going up on a tuesday <laughs> turn now, up on a tuesday <laughs> exactly uh, now i have to ask you because you said before you were a miami fc fan are you going to pull off the, the you know the football style jersey that we see where you have half of one jersey and then <laughs> half of the other jersey and just combine into one jersey because we've seen that you see that sometimes international yeah. games maybe maybe not so much on the club level but you normally see it on international games where you see you know one national team you see one shirt but it has half of it is one national team jersey the other half is the other one are, you, are we going to see a half pink half baby blue jersey from you on <laughs> on, on Tuesday or no Nah, nah, I'm going all Vice City, dude. Uh -huh, I'm going all okay. Inter Miami. But, but um, honestly, there was a lot of uh, banter on Twitter with the jersey. I, I don't know if you saw that one. And then um, there was a meme posted about it um, with a picture of me on the Miami FC jersey, another picture of me with the Inter one. But, oh, I didn't um, see that. You got to send that to me. Yeah, I'll send that over to you. It's actually really funny. But, um, no, my girlfriend's grandma, she's actually a seamstress. And um, I'm gonna have her work on one of those for me, actually, but not not Look to wear to the game, and kind of just kind of just to have around as a little as a joke. But yeah. no, yeah, Tuesday. Honestly, Tuesday is all about Inter for me. It's it's weird because yeah, I still go to Miami FC games. It's five minutes down the road. I'm still a fan, but it's kind of a situation where it's like if Inter's playing Miami FC, it's all about Inter. Yeah. That's that's just how it is because that's my number one team. And and otherwise, you know, like like on Saturday, Miami FC was playing Hartford Athletic. Um, I didn't show up in Miami FC gear because it's a little bit too close to the date. But, you know, any other game, you know, um, I'm there to support them. And I, I like any team with Miami on them. Now, this game should be very interesting because it is a win-or-go-home tournament game. This is not a, it's not a competition like the regular season. This is a win-or-go-home game. So 
every play will mean that much more. Any mistake will mean that much more. So that will surely raise up the intensity levels in, in the stadium and obviously on the field. Bernie, before we let you go, just so people know, <clears throat> what, a little bit more about your background. Where are you from? Obviously, you're a Miami guy if you live close to FIU Stadium. But what's your background, your your nationality? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, my parents are Cuban. Go on. Um, my parents are Cuban. I grew up supporting baseball, Marlins. I actually uh, was at the 97 World Series as a kid. Nice. Um, I've always had that feverish support for baseball, for basketball. Um, I grew up in downtown Miami. Um, I worked at the Miami Heat Arena. I'm a huge Miami Heat fan, huge Dolphins fan, huge Panthers fan, huge Marlins fan. Um, I'm a big FIU fan. I'm a big uh, UM fan. Anything with Miami, like I said earlier. And um, my love for the game kind of started like a lot of people with the video games, kind of around the 06 World Cup, um, which is really funny, man, because the beautiful game really got a lot of fans through FIFA. That's how it got me, man. It, it got me in there. I started supporting the USA around the 09 Confederations Cup. Nice. Um, yeah. And that was a good was run a really, for them. That was a good run for them. It was, man. Like, I, I was a kid, and I never imagined them beating Spain or, like, yeah. going up 2-0 on Brazil and then yeah. eventually losing 3-2, you know? But th that really brought me into it. And then Beckham announced the team in 2014. And, uh, yeah, man. So when Beckham announced the team in 2014, you know, it was a lot of waiting. We waited a long time. And, yes. Um, uh, FIU, I was over there. I was finishing my, my bachelor's, and then Miami FC popped up. And I really discovered that this is it for me, man. This is my hobby. This is my passion. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life is uh, go support local soccer. So um, Inter-Miami eventually rolled around 2020, man. Vice City, uh, La Monda, you know, we came up. Um, and Vice City is a, is a really important, integral part of my life. And for a lot of other people, we, we do a lot of work in the community. We do a lot of work for each other. Um, we're a big family and, you know... Um, I'm really, I'm really grateful for Vice City. I'm really grateful for you guys, the opportunity to come onto this pod. I'm a, I'm a longtime listener. Um, and just, you know, we want to see Inter Miami win. We want to see a, a, a good product on the field. And these last two games have shown us that. So hopefully we can come out on Tuesday, like you said. This is win or go home. There's You can't go home with a draw. So um, this this thing will go to penalties. Yeah, it needs to, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so we're all, we're all excited. We're hoping it's a 3-0, a 4-0, so we don't have to worry about that. But Miami FC's got a strong team, you know, and they're going to bring their best. So um, we can't underestimate them. we got to play hard, and we got to make sure to get another W here because this could also line up a potential match against Orlando. Yeah. Um, and that would be really cool too, man, to get another little Miami Classico followed by a Sunshine Classico, or it could be Tampa, you know, whoever. And if we can move on in this tournament, if we can even win this tournament, who knows, dude? Like, that's some silverware we could bring home, you know? Absolutely. And, um, Absolutely. And it gets you each, it gets you entry into the Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League, which is, I know, something Inter-Miami has set as a target for itself since its, its inception. Uh, Bernie, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing what Vice City and all of Inter-Miami supporters groups have in store for the festive environment on Tuesday night. I'm going to ask you before you go to give us a Miami Total Football radio in Spanish. Thank you. In Spanish. Thank you. Miami Total Football Radio. We want one from you. Go for it. Oh, my God. Thank you, Franco. This is an honor. <laughs> all right. This is an honor. Let's do it. Hey, but the Seattle guy you had on last week, he did it really well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. He so did. Uh, I'm, let, me, let me try to one-up him on this one. Okay. 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 Miami Total Football Radio. Hey, all right. All right. Bernie. That's, that's Bernie Toledo of Vice City. Bernie, we really appreciate you jumping on and talking 
the game on Tuesday with us and the Open Cup draw as well. Make sure you go get some Peruvian ceviche to cure that hangover because I know you're hurting. You might not sound like you're hurting. But I know you're hurting, bro. You guys go in. You guys go in. But I am. I am definitely hurting, man. Vice City La Monda. Thank you, Franco. You, you're the bomb, bro. Thank you for all the content you put out. Um, and thank you for always coming out to our tailgates. Oh, by the way, Jose Armando and uh, Steve, you guys are officially invited. No more. Oh, where's our invitation? No, no, no. You guys are officially invited here on the pod. I'm saying it. You guys come over. Come have a beer with us. Come have a choripang. Um, and we could talk some soccer. We could talk some football um, and, and hang out. And we could talk that penalty kick, which they say wasn't. I agree with you. I think it was. That's my boy. That's my boy. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about. And yeah, they like to throw pity parties for themselves. We weren't. They're always invited. They know that they're invited. Yeah, they do. They're, they do. They're, 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 oh, by the way, the Vice City Choripanes, by the way, are top notch. Top notch. If you have not had, if you're listening to this, and you have not had a Vice City Choripan, find a way to get one because those things are incredible. Incredible. But anyway, go get a ceviche, Peruvian ceviche in my we'll in my we'll in do. my name. Um, and we will take a quick break. We will come back and continue previewing Inter Miami versus Miami FC with Amey Mabika and Anthony Pulis. We will do that after this. And it's a local derby where you know you think about it's it's their cup final and it, it, it's our banana skin. Uh, so it's it's going to be a real uh, interesting uh, occasion. We can we can play some of our MLS players, MLS 2 players, the rules are slightly different, so we've got the ability to freshen up the depth of the squad, uh, but we're going to go there with our best team. Okay, guys, it's time to preview Tuesday night's Miami Classico, a game that many, many people have been waiting for. Inter-Miami visits Miami FC. We have a very special guest joining us to preview the game from a Miami FC perspective. His name is Anthony Pulis. He is the head coach of Miami FC and a former assistant coach at Inter Miami. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Happy Easter. How are you doing? Happy Easter. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, with a tight turnaround in the holiday, I know the schedule is hectic, so we really, really appreciate you hopping on here. But let's just jump right into it. You guys are coming off a win like Inter Miami. For you guys, a 2-0 home victory on Saturday over Hartford Athletic. What will that do for confidence? What will that do for momentum going into Tuesday's game, which, again, a lot of people are looking forward to? Yeah, no, obviously we're, we're pleased with the win yesterday. Um, it's, it's been a good week or so, and we've had uh, the th- three wins on the bounce now and three clean sheets. So we're, we're, in, a good, we're in a good position. Um, so obviously going into a, a massive game on Tuesday, having some momentum, um, obviously winning and uh, good results breed confidence. So, yeah, we're in a good spot. But obviously, we know it's going to be a, a really difficult game. Obviously, Inter have had, have had a couple of good results as well. So, two informed teams um, going to head to head. It should be a, should be a really really good game. Anthony, Steve here. How are you doing? Good, Steve. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good, good. I mean, you know, going back to Inter Miami, you spent you know it's a, a two years, two and a bit years there. Interesting years, I pretty thought. Character developing stuff. I mean, uh, how much can you sort of take on board from what you know of how they play and their sort of system and then try and implement it for you? Um, I'll be honest, Steve, not a lot, to be honest, because I think looking at looking at their their last few games, obviously, um, it seems like Phil's, Phil's sort of settled on a, on a system now and a way of playing, because I think probably throughout the last couple of years, um, I, I think that the team's obviously tried a number of different formations, um, obviously different ways of playing. And, and as I said, it seems like they've, they found a way now. Um, 
the difficult thing for me is obviously there's only probably I mean looking at the starting lineup from the last couple of games, only three outfield players I've actually worked with. Um, right. Robinson, Gregory, and and Ame Mabika. The rest of them are all new. So obviously with the amount of turnover they've had on the roster, and obviously me leaving there at the end of last year, I don't I don't know. I've not worked with a lot of those players. Obviously sure, I know sure. Phil and I'm and I'm still friends with a lot of the staff members. So I've, know how they work but um i wouldn't i think there's probably going to be more met there's gonna be a lot made of me knowing or having a better idea of how they play and what they do but i, I actually when you look at the look at the facts a lot of those players i've not worked with so i've obviously studied i've watched a lot of their games um in, in the last few weeks obviously preparing for tuesday so um it's been more more doing it through video and and as i said they've they've done well i mean they've, they've obviously seemed to have settled on 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 the way they want to play now and and they've had two positive results, so I'm sure they're going to be confident, as as we are going into what should be a good game. But like I said, they, they, they settle on how they want to play, but sometimes does that take a while to, for to get an idea of exactly what it is? It doesn't always click straight away, does it? I think that's that's probably the, the thing I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, it takes time to gel. I think that the one thing which I'm sure um, a lot of fans probably um, uh, they're not as they're not as patient as what as what you would you would like them to be. But I think with the amount of turnover they've had in the roster, it takes time. I think obviously Chris and Phil have obviously had an idea of of the types of players that they wanted to sign, um, with an idea of how they want to play. And it seems like they've they've kind of finally got to that stage. And it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. It does take time. It is a process. Um, and as I said, I, I'm I'm only going off the last few games, watching them last night, watching the the New England game last week and the couple before that the last couple of games anyway I think they've they've obviously um they've had some good results and there seems to be a little bit more clarity I guess in in uh, in what they're trying to accomplish on the field hey coach um this is Jose uh, I was there at the game last night and you know it was it was not an easy game especially in the second half for you guys but you know I guess playing in, in a in a completely different environment and a different competition on Tuesday brings some emotions that might not have been there yesterday. So I want to ask you about the emotions that are, that come within an Open Cup game, a Miami Classico, over 5,000 tickets sold already. Um, I mean, this this has to be an exciting time for, for Miami FC, for your players, for the coaching staff as a whole. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's an exciting game, one for us to look forward to. I think we've been preaching consistency in the way that we work and the way that we prepare for games. So it's, it's really important that we do approach it like another game. I, I think it's it's important that we, we try and make sure the players keep their emotions in check because sometimes, um, obviously, our players are going to be going into it with a point to prove because a number of them uh, probably want to want to showcase their talents and show that they can compete with players that are playing in the MLS. Um, but it's important that those those emotions stay in check and, um, and we will have a plan. And hopefully the players can execute and stick to the plan as, as much as possible. But I do think a high-level team, and obviously this one, you've got the added spice of it being a local derby. Sometimes, sometimes your league form can dip a little bit. Thankfully, ours hasn't. Um, thankfully, the results have been good, and uh, performances. Probably first half was was good last night. Second half, not so good. Um, there were circumstances why that was the case, but as I said, now we can we can go into it and, and really enjoy the really enjoy the experience. Obviously, all the pressure is going to be on into Miami, um, so our our guys can go into it hopefully with a little bit of freedom to express themselves, but at the same time sticking to a plan that we feel like can cause into some problems. And Anthony Franco here again. Is that the message to the group? I won't ask you tactically what, what you guys are planning, but is that the message to the group overall? Because this is a 
one-off game. It's a cup competition, not like a not like a, a league game, a regular season game where there's another match to be played right away. It, this is win or go home. Every play matters a little bit more. Any mistake can matter that much more. I, I feel like that will add to the intensity level um, between both sides on the field as well as in the stands. So is that the message overall that that to take this one on and the pressure is on Inter Miami more so than you guys? Yeah, look, I mean, the expectation is is obviously everybody's going to be expecting the the high level team to win. So as I said, that the pressures, the pressure is going to be on Inter to to win the game. Um, obviously, we're we're going into it um, with with a plan, and, and and as I said, it's 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 a you've you've said it. It's a one off game. Any anything can happen. We've we've all seen it over the years. Cup competitions um, in in all the different countries in the world, whether it be in, in in Europe or whatever, lower, lower league teams can beat the higher level teams on their day. We, we know that going into it, the Inter-Miami players are going to have to have an off day and every one of our players is going to have to be at their best. Um, and if that's the case on Tuesday night, we, we might give ourselves a chance of, of advancing in the cup, um, but we'll see. But I think for us, it's, it's about going into it and really enjoying the experience. As I said, it should be a great atmosphere. Um, two teams that are in good form going head to head and uh, we're really looking forward to it. I mean, and and what about you, Anthony? You know, you you had a great job at Inter Miami. Um, I don't think they wanted you to go, but you're not, you're there now as, as your own your own boss. Sort of how how you how you enjoying that? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, obviously, I, I was I was really excited for the challenge to be a head coach again, and, and fortunate that Miami FC gave me that opportunity. It was it was a difficult decision because I um I had a good job there. Obviously, I had a good relationship with Phil and and the staff and and the players that were there and. Um, ultimately, it came down to what I felt like was was the best step for me in my career, and and I felt like taking the jump into a head coach position, albeit at a lower level, was was the right step for me. It's going to be a strange experience on Tuesday. I've got to be honest. I mean, coming up against a staff that I know really well, and I'm still really really good friends with with a number of them, and um, obviously don't know as many of the players because there's been such such a turnaround. But it will be strange being in the, in the technical area opposite them, but. For that 90 minutes or 10, 20 minutes, if you go straight to time, obviously we'll be we'll be rivals and we'll be competing and we'll both be wanting to get positive results for our respective teams. But after, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get together, chat, and have a beer, and uh, and uh, hopefully um, for our sake, there's a, there's a cup upset, we're celebrating, but we'll we'll see what happens. No, I also like to educate our, our sort of listeners about sort of football history and just basically British nostalgia. I don't think they've got a clue what I'm going on about, but as anyone would <laughs> doesn't know. Anthony's dad, Tony, is a very famous manager, great career, Stoke and Crystal Palace, West Brom, among many, many others. But when Man City were really struggling in 1999, they were in the League One playoff final, third division, weren't going to go up. They were 2-0 down to Gillingham, managed by Anthony's dad. And you, sir, were on the bench, (laughs) weren't you? I was. Dad's actually probably, this is probably a good... uh... A good fun fact. He's he's the one that's responsible for their resurgence, exactly. Steve. Because if you remember back, that was that promotion they got that year. Gillingham were two 0 up with what was it five minutes left. City got yeah. two goals in the last five minutes, one on penalties, got promoted into the championship, and then obviously the rest is history. They got promoted again and go into the Premier League, get taken over, and then that was it. So uh, yeah, dad, dad not being able to defend the two, dad not being able to defend a two 0 lead as a. Uh, has led to them going on and winning all these these this silverware and Premier Leagues and cups and whatnot. So, but you were there. <laughs> I'm sure you won't like so me saying old? that, but yeah. How old was I? I would have been what would I have been about 13, 14 at the time. And you, so, yeah, you no. Li- I mean, I, you were on the bench. I was on the, you? the yeah, bench. Sitting, sitting in the dugout on the bench. You could never get away with that now, could you? 
but yeah, no, that was that was me as a kid. I would school holidays and weekends. I'd go up and watch the games with him and sit in the dugout, be in the dressing room or the locker room, sorry, and yeah, full access. So um, yeah, I was really fortunate to experience that in close hand. Should have made you a reporter back then. You would have you would have been a great uh, a great a great reporter back in those days. Jose, you're up. I oh, know. Yeah, I have one last question for you, Coach. And, and, and you know, it, it's it, it's about the honors you grew up in in Miami FC. Um, I, I've had the pleasure of covering this team for a while, and I know Open Cup is very important for Ricardo Silva. Um, have you had any conversations? What the expectations are from you guys in, in this tournament this year? Obviously, a, a huge matchup. You were able to move past uh, Miami United, but now a huge matchup against a local rival. Um, what what are the expectations from the ownership group? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I when I was interviewing and obviously speaking to the, the ownership group in the early stages before I got the job, they made it really clear that obviously that the club have, have got a decent history. Um, they had a great run back in, I think it was 18, and they beat Orlando and Atlanta. And that's something that they wanted to try and do again. And um, that hence why we took the the first or sorry, the second round game against Miami FC, uh, Miami United so seriously. We, we obviously played a really strong lineup because we knew that there was going to be the potential of, of drawing an MLS team. And then you probably saw, again, with the team selection and, and the performance that night, uh, we were taking it seriously. I know a lot of clubs will go with second string lineups in the early rounds and, and use it to rotate and rest. And, and obviously we didn't do that because we knew how, how important it was going to be for us as a club to try and have a run and try and get, get a game against an MLS team. And obviously we've been fortunate now to get our, our local It should be a great occasion. And hopefully we can, we can pull off a cup upset. Anthony, just to close out then, the last question from us uh, will come from me, is how much of an advantage, if at all, is it that you guys have maybe an extra day, quote, quote, of preparation? Obviously, Inter-Miami's traveling back today to to the market, um, so they're not training today. They'll, they'll do a light session tomorrow, and they play on Tuesday in your home stadium. You guys, I imagine, will be doing very similar regeneration today. And obviously, penalty kicks come into, in, come into this as well as a possibility. Are you a coach that wants the players to practice penalty kicks, or are you a coach that says, let let, let it happen if it happens? Uh, um, yeah, I think, I, there's been quite a bit made of this. Like, I actually don't. We've our game kicked off three hours earlier. That that's it for me. I think when I obviously been in, been in and around the environment with Inter Miami, they've they got a fantastic performance department, sports science. They've charter flights. I know they stayed over in Seattle to do a recovery session. So. I think there's probably on their side of it, they're, they're, they're trying to play on that a little bit. For us, it's not, we're having more preparation exactly the same as theirs. Um, of course, we're at home, um, but as I said, what, what we have available to us from a recovery standpoint and resources and everything is right. uh, night and day compared to what they've got available to, to get their players recovered. So for us, we gave the guys a day off today to rest, Easter Sunday, um, and then we will get in tomorrow and, and have one day to prepare for the game exactly like into mm-hmm. So, um, Penalties, we will be practicing. I think as, as a coach, I am somebody that believes in thorough preparation and, and being really detailed. So we will be we will be going through that okay. tomorrow so that if, if that comes up on Tuesday night, we're as best prepared as we possibly can be. Okay, great. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us on Easter Sunday. We very, very much appreciate your time um, and your efforts for that. We will talk to you after the game on Tuesday. Best of luck, and we'll see you then on Tuesday. Thank you again. Yeah, no worries. Thanks a lot. Cheers. This week is going to be a long week. We will need Gonzalo Higuain. Uh, he, he, I heard him on FaceTime to Motta, to Gregory, to Campania before the game, wishing them all the best, cheering them on, on the coach on the way to the game. 
Uh, I know, I know that he'll be desperate. I know he's desperate to get back uh, with the team, uh, and I know for a fact that we will need him from now to the end of the season. He wants to finish this season on a high, so the motivation and challenge there is is probably greater than he's ever had since he came to Miami. He's now got competition with places. He now he now sees a team that's playing playing a type of football with with certain types of behaviours now that are non negotiable. And, uh, and and he's just got to fit into that, which I'm sure he will do. All right, everyone. We have heard from a protagonist on Miami FC, so now it's time to do so with someone from Inter Miami. The very special guest joining us to do just that is one of the young promises on the team. He is also the tallest player on the roster, and if that is not a big clue, then I do not know what is. And he has been reading opposing attacks as of late with the same vigor that he does with his books. We are talking about center back and bookworm. Ame Mabika, of course. Ame, how are you doing? Good, good. Uh, a bit tired, uh, to be honest with you. Out here on the West Coast, getting ready to go home. Um, but when you win, your body always feels a little bit better, less tired. So now everyone, everyone's super excited to get that second win of the season, get a clean sheet as well. So uh, for us, you know, sort of the theme is trying to trying to build the building blocks and, you know, winning a second game, you know, on the road uh, against a team like Seattle is good. And we just want to keep this momentum going and building on, which starts in training, you know, the squad, the squad chemistry building and building. So, yeah, we're very excited. Well, we definitely really appreciate you joining us this morning because obviously, like you said, I imagine you and, and the rest of the team are exhausted. I know you guys, not only did you play 90 minutes yesterday, but it was a late game even on the West Coast. I think it finished around 9 p.m. local time in Seattle. Um, probably didn't get out of the stadium until 10, 10.30, and I heard you guys had a dinner afterwards. So um, it's now 7.30 a.m. where you guys are. So, yes, I imagine you're pretty exhausted. So, again, we really appreciate you coming on. I can't see you, but I think you might have some uh, some eye crust there from sleeping. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh Am I accurate in assuming that the entire team is is exhausted, or it, like you mentioned, does the buzz from last night's win help help uh, mitigate that a little bit? Yeah, the buzz definitely mitigates that. You know, like Gregorius has his energy because he always does, so you, you can't <laughs> that he didn't sleep much. But no, everyone's really excited. Everyone was excited when we got back from the stadium yesterday, um, eating dinner. Everyone's excited about the win, and everyone's excited to go to sleep. So. <laughs> Is we just have to get on this flight and get back uh, as soon as possible so we can start preparing for the next game. Absolutely, a lot of snoring on that on that long trip back, I imagine. But all right, speaking of speaking of the games a little bit more before we jump into Tuesday, I want to ask you just about last night's game. You guys are obviously coming off a big result in Seattle. Yes, they had a lot of changes to start, but they did bring on some of their bigger weapons late on. You guys were able to keep that zero at the back, record that clean sheet. What's your biggest takeaway or analysis point from how the team played collectively on Saturday night and how big of a boost in confidence is that going forward? Well, first of all, just from a defender's perspective, uh, it was a very rewarding game in the fact that, one, we got a clean sheet. And I thought that was a really good uh, team defensive performance, not just the back four. And and I thought the whole team from – from Campana all the way down, defended really well. Because if I really think about it, they didn't really have right. that many big chances. I think there, there might have been one where I think Damien headed it. But other than that, I thought we kept them at bay for as much as that they had the ball. 
especially in the second half, they didn't really they didn't really test Nick that much, which obviously we take pride in and and to get a clean sheet away at Seattle is is something that gives us a lot of confidence, you know, as a team um, uh, moving forward. Now there's no rest for the weary. You guys have another game on Tuesday night, a very, very short turnaround that provides its set of challenges for, for the group. Obviously, you guys are traveling back on Sunday. Uh, I, get, I imagine you'll have a light session on, on Monday and then the game right away on Tuesday. You'll be facing Miami FC, a cross-town foe, which is dubbed this game the Miami Classico. It's at FIU Stadium. I will not be so cruel as to ask you tactically what do you expect because I imagine you guys haven't done any video sessions just yet. But what kind of game do you think Miami FC will try to, will try to bring in terms of the the energy and in terms of their motivation? I, I forget the phrase Phil used exactly, but I think he, he referred to this as a cup final for them. They'll obviously be very, very eager to come out flying in, in their home stadium on turf uh, looking to, to pull off the David versus Goliath upset. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it is being hyped up as a rivalry. So yeah. in, in, in rivalry games... You know, all that stuff is important, the tactics, you know, all that stuff is important. But in those games, a lot of the times the the team, the teams will, will come out flying and, you know, trying to get a result. You know, I guess everyone will be trying to claim Miami. Um, but no, we, we've had we've played them before, you know, in, in a couple of preseason games uh, over over the years. And it, it's always been a it's always been a good game. Uh, and obviously, uh, Anthony is over there now. So. I expect them to to kind of know what we're going to do a little bit as well. So it'll be it'll be a good test for us. But I think if we just approach it in a professional manner, um, and, and you know, kind of use this momentum that we've been building over the last couple of weeks, I think uh, we'll we'll give ourselves a really good chance. But you know, they they have good players that can hurt us. Um, so I, I think we'll be ready. What what kind of coach is Anthony? Obviously, we you you guys have worked with him up close and personal, uh, especially last year. For us on the media side, due to the COVID protocols, we didn't really get a, a, a good chance to really get to know him. We talked to Phil and we talked to, to some of you guys last year, but we didn't really get to talk to the, any of the assistant coaches at any point. So, uh, you know, I know he, it was a different role for him when he was at Inter-Miami than Miami FC, but what kind of coach is he? What kind of person is he um, from your interactions that you've had with him? Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, Anthony is a, is a great person. Um, he's actually who I did. He was on my interview call. Uh, oh, nice. my, my draft interview. So I, I kind of uh, I knew about him before I came. He knew about me before I came, obviously. And then when I when I got here from an individual standpoint, he's he's sort of the coach that I don't want to say assigned to me, but he, he gave me a lot of attention in terms of uh, after training, you know, extra work or doing film, stuff like that. So for me last year, you know, he was very, very, very important. Um, he pushed me pretty hard. And and for, for the squad, I think Everyone shares the same sentiment when they said that they were they were sad to see him go, but at the same time, uh, we're all very happy for Anthony. I think is a is a really good coach, and you know he's still pretty young in his in his coaching career, and I I think he he has tons of potential. So, um, like I said earlier, I think he'll have some an idea of some of the stuff that we're going to do, and you know hopefully hopefully we can uh, we can cancel that out. Now. For you guys, what do you think will be some of the keys to the game? Again, without obviously knowing 100% of what what you might expect from the opponent. Is it just continuing a lot of the recent things you have been doing over these last two MLS games while also tweaking some areas? Or or what do you think Inter-Miami has to do to get uh, the victory on Tuesday night? Yeah, I mean, I think I think to 
So to kind of sum it up, I think we have to impose our style as much as possible. Um, we'll just like every game, we'll, we'll look to dominate the game. And, and when I say dominate the game, it doesn't always mean dominate possession or anything like that. We want to dominate the spaces. We don't we don't want to give up chances. Right. Um, we know they're going to come up flying uh, most likely. So, you know, we're going to have to weather that storm. And then after that, you know, just kind of focus on us, play our game. And it's tough because we're, we're, we haven't really worked on them. We'll just get tomorrow to work on them. Um, so, but like I said earlier, we, we've played them in a couple of preseason games. So we have a little bit of an idea of, of how, how they want to play. And they have some really good individual attacking players. So um, we'll, have to be, we'll have to be ready for that. What, what's the vibe been like within the group with regards to this game? I know you've been focused on Seattle, but when, when the draw happened and there was talk of it happening, I'm sure you guys obviously learned about that and talked about it for a bit amongst yourselves. And now that it's that's around the corner, um, and again, I know it's early, but what's what's been the initial uh, vibe like with regards to this game? It's the first official game between Miami versus Miami. I mean, for us, and, and, I, and I know the boss said it, uh, I think, in a press conference this week. He says he wants to play a strong team. He wants to win the Open Cup because um, that will get us in Champions League. And for us, you know, we're, we're a fairly new club. We haven't really won any trophies. So any opportunity to win a trophy, we get excited about at this point in our club history. So, it, you know, it's been tough because you, you never want to look two games ahead. And, you know, we've been right. focused on Seattle, which was big game in MLS. Um, so I, I guess today maybe we'll, we'll get a better sense than tomorrow of, you know, how guys feel about that game. But um, from from the little we've talked about it, it's it's been it's a it's a chance to move on in the cup and we, we want to move on and go win the cup. So there's there's no way we're going to take that lightly. OK, then to begin wrapping up, um, I can't let you go without asking uh, asking you about you. Uh, obviously, you've stepped into the lineup these last two games, and you've performed very well, in, in my opinion. And, and Phil's been high on you. He's he's mentioned you in both post-game press conferences um, without even being asked about you. How have you felt about your performances, your first two starts and your first two appearances of the MLS season in 2022 over these last two games, which, by the way, have both been wins. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely hope to keep that winning streak alive as i as i get my opportunities to play but no i've been i've been um i've been very excited to just get to help the team in any way even in the in the games that i wasn't playing my biggest focus was you know continuing to improve um while at the same time helping the team as much as i can uh you know i obviously care deeply about the club so for the last two games for us for me to be able to make my debut and, and then play again last night and for us to win uh was amazing and you know i i'm feel like I'm gaining in confidence. I think I said it earlier this week. So yesterday was my fourth MLS game and, and I think I'm doing well, um, which gets me excited because like I said, uh, I think it was on Thursday, you know, what will I look like 20, 25 games in? And, and for me, it's just about taking it week by week um, and continuing to get better because, you know, the coaching staff's gonna push me, my teammates are gonna push me fairly young player so i still have a lot of room for improvement even even in the two games that have played well there's certain things that i would like to improve on and you know if i keep working i have i have good veterans you know deandre nick damian Lowe, gregor guys like that that help me out a lot if i just you know keep listening and putting one foot in front of the other 
um, I think I think that would be a recipe for some individual success for me. So yeah, I think I think I think I've done well in the in the last two games. But you know, I want to continue doing better and um, helping the team win games. Amey, obviously, I'm going to be a little annoying here and ask you to answer the same question we've asked you earlier this week, and that sure. was what because you touched on confidence. You touched on confidence and. Phil had said that you came back from Zambia's national team with more confidence and, and, and a bit different. What yeah. did that What did that call up to the national team do for you? And I know we asked you this, so again, apologies for repeating the question, but just for those who may not have heard your answer, may not have seen your answer during the week leading up to the Seattle game, um, you know, that are listening now, what, what did that do for you as a player? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, you know, getting caught up to a national team in general is a, uh, is a pretty big deal because that's kind of like the ultimate goal for a lot of players, you know, to play in the World Cup or whatever. So to get caught up to the national team, you know, you have to think about it as, as you know, for for a whole of a country, you're you're getting considered as one of the 20, 25 best players at that at that current moment in time. Um, so that's a big honor. So for me to have gotten caught up, that was a confidence boost in itself just to, you know, have that honor and, and for the coach to say, oh, yeah, we, we think that you would do well here. And then I obviously went and I played one game and we won and I, I, I played well. So for me, you know, the experiences, talking to the guys, there's obviously guys on the team that play at some big clubs in the world. Um, just kind of talking to them and, and how they approach the game. Uh, and then... Playing the game, you know, I, I hadn't played any games this season, so mm-hmm. there was an opportunity for me to have a 90-minute game and, and to do well. That grew my confidence just, you know, naturally. And then, yeah, it's, it's a weird experience. I was talking to one of the assistant coaches here, and he said, you know, those kind of experiences can, can tend to have a Superman effect. And, you know, I, I do I do a lot of journaling. And I, to answer your question, really, I've been having a hard time figuring out what what happened, you know, mentally, but it's kind of, it's been really weird, you know, in a good way where I went and I came back and, you know, in training, I'm just completely different player, you know, mentally and, you know, technically, but it's like I said, the best way I can describe it is almost like a Superman effect, but I'm going to still, I'm going to continue to think about it and kind of figure out what it is exactly. So I can have a a good answer because people have been asking me that my teammates, my teammates and even coaches, but you know, I think my assistant, one of my assistant coaches put it put it best when he said these kind of experiences can sort of have like a Superman effect, um, which is awesome. And, you know, for any player that can experience experience a national team call up, I think they would or that have experienced a national team call up for the first time, I think would um, would say the same thing. Because I had a conversation with with DeAndre Yedlin yeah. and he, he had told me the first couple of times he got caught up to the USA national team. Every time he came back, he always felt he always felt like a different player. And, and he had said this before I even went because he was excited for me. He was like, it's going to be great because, you know, I kind of went through the same thing. And when I came back, I was always a different player. And, you know, that that got me excited to go. And then sure enough, when I got back, you know, I, I, he he was he wasn't wrong. Amazing. We're glad to hear that. And before we let you go, we're going to do something we've done with the other players that have joined Miami Total Football Radio uh, this season, let's just do a tiki taka, really quick, short questions, uh, and just the the first answer that pops into your head. Um, so, and it's it's really really easy and straightforward. So, I'll start with on Inter Miami. Who is the best dressed player or the best dressed teammate? It could be yourself if you want, but who is the best dressed? Honestly, I would have to say I would have to say myself. 
And I think <laughs> nice. as a team would second that. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have uh, we have some Breck, DeAndre, Breck Shade, DeAndre. I think are right up there. Okay. Who's the funniest teammate? Uh, Gregor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the sleepiest, and I imagine you're all sleepy right now, but the sleepiest in general. Sleepiest, maybe Jovan Jones. Okay, okay. Two more, two more. Earliest football memory, your earliest football memory. My earliest football memory was, I think, 2004 African Cup of Nations. Um, so I would have been, what, seven years old? Yeah, that it's very, very blurry, but that would be my earliest football memory. And then maybe 2006 World Cup is more, a little bit more vivid. And if you weren't playing soccer professionally, what would you mm-hmm. be doing? And I know you read a lot of books. Hence, if you guys don't know that Ayman Mabika reads a lot of books, or Ayman Mabika reads a lot of books, that's why I mentioned that early on. He reads a lot of books. But what would you be doing professionally if not playing professional soccer? Uh, professionally, if I wasn't playing soccer at this very moment in time, I would probably be in law school trying to be an attorney the reading makes more sense now the reading makes more sense okay i made final final one and this is the one we've asked everyone and we've gotten some really good answers three dinner guests it could be dead or alive anyone you want in the whole world yeah. who would you have if if, if a man Mabika was having a dinner you were hosting the dinner who would be your three guests anyone in the world hosting a dinner um i think barack obama would be one okay um, Jay-Z, too. Okay. And, ooh, the third one is a tough one. So Barack Obama, Jay-Z, and, um, I think just to lean into the soccer side, maybe Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger, okay. Interesting. That's an interesting, an interesting dinner there. A, a very intellectual dinner. I imagine the conversations would be very, very interesting. Okay. Uh, Ame, thank you so much for the time. I know you have to run. We really appreciate you hopping on here this morning, um, empowering through this with us. I know you're tired. But have a safe flight back to South Florida. We will see you on Tuesday night when Inter-Miami takes on Miami FC. So, Ame, thank you once again. Thank you, Franco. Appreciate it. All right, man. Happy, Happy Easter, brother. Happy Easter. Okay, guys, we hope you've enjoyed those interviews with those three special guests. That's a Miami Total Football Radio record. Three guests on in one episode. And because of that, we apologize for this, but we hope you understand we're going to shorten the Q&A session by a good bit. We had a lot of good questions that I would love to get to, um, but then the show will go very, very long, longer than we normally aim for. So Jose and I will power a few of these. And Steven Primo Brenner has left the building. That's why he's not part of it. But Jose and I will jump into it starting right now with hmm, the question about Christopher McVeigh. And it comes from Fighting Herons. McVeigh provides nothing on offense but has quietly solidified the defense at left back. Is it worth starting him there when all other left backs are healthy? I would say no. I would say no because, well, listen, I'm going to put it this way. If Karen Gibbs is available, no. If only Brick Shea is available, then yes, you can think about it. You can think about it. But 
um, I, I think is a, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a center back. So, you know, let's keep him at center back position. I think, um, Kieran Gibbs is, is a, is a very good left back once he's on the field. So no, let's keep McVeigh as a center back. And if Gibbs is back, he's placed as a center back over Mavika, of course. And, um, yeah, I think I, hopefully I did answer that question. I think you did. I think I so. Think, I think so. I would. I would see. We're disagreeing a lot lately. I would say yes. He's the left back right as of right now. Now, oh my God. now, if in another no, listen. If in another game, right, because things can change. As of right now, today, after the last two performances he's had there, I think he's the starting left back. Now, if in the next game against Miami FC or in the next game after that against Atlanta United, he has a shocker or you see some of the weaknesses that can come from him playing left back, then that changes the the equation. But as of right now. You I, think he I, starts over Karen Gibbs? Right now, I think Phil. Yeah, I think Phil. Ne- listen, Are you Phil Neville? Phil me? Neville is clearly, clearly someone that prioritizes being defensively solid. Clearly, you cannot complain. The next time that Phil plays a, a player out of position, you cannot complain. You're not allowed to complain anymore. Because that's exactly what he's doing right there. Okay, he's hold on. I'm not telling you what I would do. I'm not telling you what I would do. Out of position. But I'm not telling you what I would do. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I think Phil Neville's going to do. And I think Phil Neville's going to keep him at left back because they have been a little bit tougher defensively, especially in this game against Seattle. And I think if that maintains itself, if that is sustained, if those performance levels are sustained, then I don't see him taking out Christopher McVeigh to bring in Kieran Gibbs. Now if, again, I reiterate, if the next game Christopher McVeigh has a shocker or he's he starts struggling because he's out of position at left back, then that changes things. And then maybe once Kieran Gibbs is healthy, he goes back in there. I don't know if Christopher McVeigh will be the every game starter at left back because there will be home games where maybe Inter Miami needs to attack a little bit more. So maybe that's when Kieran Gibbs could come in. But as of right now, today, Easter Sunday, I think Phil Neville is going to go with Christopher McVeigh as of right now. I think I think you're overreacting to two games. Overreacting to two games. McVeigh's a center back for a reason. He has been a center back for a while. Not a left back. Completely different position. You know, he's doing a good job. I'm with you. I'm with you. He's not a left back. I'm with you. I'm with you on all those points. I'm telling you what I think from Phil Neville's perspective. I think Phil Neville will be happy with what what he saw from Christopher McVeigh at left back, and I think he'll keep him there for that reason. At least for the time being. Until we see see something else. Until we see... why would you expose McVeigh to to a mistake? And then after he after he makes the mistake and you end up losing or dropping a game, then you're going you're gonna go at him when he well, everything that he's been doing right now, you know, is is being a a, 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 te- a good teammate, just playing out of position. You know, that's exactly the same same thing that happened to Lewis Morgan last year. Listen, Carlos Bocanegra was a center back for the U.S. men's national team during his playing days, and then at one point he was moved to left back, and he did not provide much going forward. From okay, play. So it's I'm okay. No, that's not. I'm not saying he's the same player. I'm saying, but Carlos Bocanegra played left back because he was solid enough there that he could do the job defensively. And on teams that prioritize the defensive side first, I could see Phil Neville sticking with him. I could see Phil Neville sticking with him. I'm huh. not saying 100% he should be there. I was critical of it when I first saw it again before the game against the New England Revolution. I was like, why is Christopher McVeigh playing out of position at left back? But the early returns have been more positive than negative. And I think Phil Neville will take that into account when he when he makes the game plans for the next few matches. So 
Unless we see something different, then that changes the, the equation. But anyway, let's continue. Let's continue on. This one's quick. This one's fast. This one's funny. Don Cafecito. Papa Young on Easter tastes amazing. Does the deal also count if Inter Miami wins on Tuesday? Just asking the important <laughs> questions. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if they beat or tie in uh, Miami FC if, if the Papa Young, Papa Young's deal kicks in. I think I think it might just be MLS games, but I don't know. I'll, I'll find out. I'll work to find out for you guys. How about that? That's good. Find out. I, I need to find out as well. <laughs> Are you going to have some papayons today? I'm, uh, and we say papayons because that's like the, the Spanish pronunciation of it. Um, combining mm, papa and Jones. No? Not today. No. Okay. Next question comes from Twitter. And I'll answer this one very quickly. Campana is on a year loan from Wolves. Should the team look into acquiring him for a longer term or is it too soon? What are the chances of a bid succeeding? So Campana is on a loan from Wolves. But that loan comes with an option to buy. So I imagine that the number... For a, for a transfer fee has already been established for the end of the year. And Inter Miami has the option to just trigger that if they want. All right, two more. Daniel K, he asks, Now that we know Iguain was definitely holding us back, do you think he will start as soon as he's back from injury? Mabika and Lowe is a good partnership. When Gibbs or Jones come back, will McVeigh start over Mabika again? So another question about McVeigh. I probably should have joined that together. Uh, I didn't realize that he had two and one. We've answered that one. We have touched on the Iguain thing, but I will let you one more time state your response very clearly with regards to Iguain once he's back from injury. Yes, once he's once he's back from injury, he will start for Inter Miami. And again, I'm going to say this again: Gonzalo Iguain is not going to be okay with being a role player at a last place team in Major League Soccer. He's not going to be okay with that. He would rather retire than being a role player in this team. That's the way it is. You're wrong on so many levels, my friend. First of all, Inter Miami is not. The way it is. First of all, Inter Miami is not in last place anymore. They are now in 13th place in the Eastern Conference, not last. So that's one. <laughs> Two, Iguain will not retire because that would mean him coughing up the six million, seven million, whatever he's making this year. So he's definitely not going to retire, regardless of his role, regardless of how unhappy he could potentially be about not being the starter on this team. And three, no way he's starting on this team when everyone's healthy and it's and it's a regular week. No way. If he's healthy for Tuesday's game against Miami FC, maybe he starts that one. But no way he starts next week if Leonardo Campana is healthy, ready, available, and has enough energy to go again. No way. No I way. I want to see Gonzalo Higuain entering the game in the 75th minute replacing Leo Campana. Consistently. Not one game. Not two games. Like you would like to overreact after two games. Here but consistently. The next 10 to 15 games, I want to see Gonzalo Higuain healthy and getting into the game in the 75th minute replacing Campana when he's either tired or not into the game I would like to see that I would like to see that happen <laughs> I think that's, I, I think, think you're going to see I'm, that happen I think you're going I know I know you're being sarcastic but I think that's exactly what's going to happen Gonzalo Wayne would consider that disrespectful to his career. <laughs> okay, well, actually, Daniel K had another one. I think this is very straightforward, and you can just say yes if you think so. He says, who do you think will start next game for Gregory? Adams deserves to start, in my opinion. Or maybe you don't agree with that, because maybe you think Duke deserves to start. But, obviously, Gregory picked up a yellow card against the Seattle Sounders. He will miss the next MLS match on Saturday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday against Atlanta United. So, who should fill in for him very quickly? Duke or Adams? Or somebody else? Um, I think Adams will start for him I, because I, 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 think, I believe... I think Adams will be the guy that, that starts against Atlanta United. 
in place of Gregory. Jose, quickly, final thoughts? Well, yeah, just, you know, enjoy the game. You know, this is a match that will most likely happen just once a year. If and you if know that, yeah. some if, if that, yes. So, you know, just try to enjoy it. You know, it's it's a ten dollar ticket as well. So, you know, it's an opportunity to watch Inter Miami if you haven't been able to go to Fort Lauderdale. Um, just try to get there early. I was there yesterday. The parking situation is a little bit different from uh, what you are what you were used to if you went to an, a Miami FC game a few years ago. So try to get there early and and just just enjoy enjoy the game. Okay, my final thought is on eFootball, formerly known as PES or Pro Evolution Soccer or Winning Eleven. They now officially have MLS teams. Well, they now have MLS teams and USL teams in the game. USL teams like Miami FC are fully licensed. Inter Miami and other MLS teams are not fully licensed. So the team names are fake, but they do have the actual players. I believe Inter Miami is under Miami PV, which stands for Pink Black. But anyway, we've got to run. That does it for this week's show. We'll be back again later this week. For Jose Armando, for Steve Brenner, I'm Franco Pizzo. You're listening to Miami Total Football Radio. <laughs>